We had one pastor in a community where he was trying to get to know his neighbors. They wouldn't give him the time of day. He went to one of our warehouses and saw all of the dog food, started getting to know his neighbor's pets, consequently, and giving them dog food. And as a result, people started coming to his church. Uh, We've had families where their children were sleeping on the floor. Now they have beds. And one single mom said, every time I see my children in that bed furnished by city serve in my local church, that's a sermon to me of a God who cares and a church that cares. She's now not only a part of that church, but she's part of that city serve point of distribution in helping other single parents. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. This episode of Along the Way features Dave Donaldson, the co-founder of Convoy of Hope and CityServe. He is a man whose life was changed by the compassion of others, and he continually extends that same compassion wherever he can. When we recorded this interview, Dave and I had no idea that our world would be in quarantine when I would release this episode. As I have been listening to this conversation again, I am encouraged and amazed by the important message that Dave's words are for today. As the human race is under attack from the COVID-19 coronavirus right now, and life is turned upside down, we can trust in Jesus that he is walking with us, especially right now. Dave has amazing advice about walking in God's compassion, which is very needed in our world today as we battle against the Wuhan coronavirus and prayerfully soon start to recover from this unseen enemy. We can trust in God and we need to extend his compassion to our fellow man. I'll get to our conversation in just a moment, but I wanna thank you for listening to Along the Way. I hope you like what you hear and that you subscribe. You can connect with me online as well. All of my socials and contact links are in the show notes. And you can check out all of my episodes at my website, alongtheway.media. I would love to hear from you. And now, here's my Along the Way conversation with Dave Donaldson. Dave Donaldson, it's great to have you along the way. You were a guest on the Real Life program recently, and it was so much fun to hear how God has used you uh, in various different ways. You were the co-founder of Convoy of Hope, and when you retired from that, you now started the uh, City Serve. So you went from one area of serving to another area of serving. You didn't really retire. You just kind of changed hats, I guess. You're also the host of the Influencers Podcast, From Neighborhoods to Nations, on the Charisma Podcast Network. So it's fun talking to a fellow podcaster. (laughs) Yeah, it's just wonderful to be able to connect with you again, my friend. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, John, and I was so impressed with you uh, producing the show there at Cornerstone and uh, was delighted that we could do this today. Absolutely. Well, Dave, you told a story about a family that really reached out to your siblings and your family, really, when you were growing up. And I like to ask people about their journey and how God has brought them along to where they are right now. But somebody's acts of service really impacted your life and set you up for, I I think, a life of uh, missional serving. Just the stuff that you do now is is incredible, and uh, you're a very humble guy. Meeting you, I wouldn't necessarily think that 
all of this happens and it's under your leadership. And so we'll talk about City Serve and Convoy of Hope, but I want to go back to kind of the beginning of how this family's act of service changed your life. Thank you, John. It was 1969 and my parents were pastoring here in the Bay Area. And one hot summer evening as they took off, uh, little did we know that our world would be turned upside down. Uh, so my two brothers, sister and I waved goodbye. Uh, moments later, as they were driving down the freeway, a drunk driver slid across the divide, hit their car head on. My dad was killed instantly. Mother survived, but they had to pin her body back together again uh, so that she would survive. And I'll never forget uh, when we visited her at the hospital, and it's actually not too far from where I'm uh, at right now. And we peered through the glass into her room, and she was so beaten up and broken, we didn't even recognize her. Hmm. Uh, she spoke my older brother's name, and he collapsed to the ground beside me. So there we were, three boys, a younger sister, wondering what would happen next. Where are we going to get food, clothing, and who's going to take in four young kids? How old are you guys at this time? I was nine. Uh, I was the youngest boy, and then uh, two older brothers, and then a younger sister. Wow. And so the, the, really the community came together to help us. Uh, the church, government, which was a safety net for us during this crisis. Uh, and then eventually, as our mom recovered, uh, Dow Chemical, which has part of its headquarters here, uh, they provided her with a, like a welfare to work type program but uh, what you're alluding to is a family named the Davises that had a single wide trailer and they're the ones who raised their hand and said, we'll take in these four kids. And I'll never forget walking up to this single wide trailer. And eventually uh, we had uh, not only their family, four people, uh, but uh, four kids, Donaldson kids, our mom, and then our grandmother, all living together. Oh my gosh. So it, it was like a Brady Bunch there. But walking up to this trailer, John, I wondered, would this be another stop along the way? Would they really want us and keep us? And as we shuffled inside, Bill Davis uh, gave each of us hugs. And this is what he said. He said, you are with family and this is your home. That four letter word with, it changed our lives because you see, that's what compassion means. It literally means to suffer with. And for the Davises, they not only shared their space, but they shared our sorrow, pain, our anger, and they even invited that into their home. And so it was by them making room for us that my brothers and I, and my sister have tried to make room for others and started Convoy of Hope and now City Serve. And we're grateful that literally millions of people uh, have been helped in America and around the globe. So your mom did recover from that, but you still needed all a whole lot of help. She recovered, but was physically handicapped uh, oh, okay. for the rest of her life. 
Miraculously, though, she lived into her 70s, and nobody expected that. She became what I like to call a wounded healer. Part of her healing uh, was a process of the grieving gathering to family and friends, our church, and then giving. And she started a ministry to widows, to those that were grieving. And then at, that expanded into single parents hmm. and just really had a wonderful ministry. Wow. So she didn't let her disability stop her from ministering and being purposeful for the kingdom of God. Yeah, I think uh, one of the most powerful lessons she taught us was you know, to get up, whether it's tragedy or losing your job or bankruptcy and illness, whatever it might be to get up each and every day was the most spiritual thing that she could mm. possibly do for her life and for her kids to make a decision not to live as a victim, but victorious. And as I mentioned, to move from being wounded to becoming God's wounded healer. Yeah, that's powerful. So Dave, as a nine-year-old, I, I can, you know, I'm 35, so I can remember back to my nine-year-old days. My biggest concern was the next Lego that I'm going to get and, you know, how these Lego sets are the most important thing in my life right now. And I know that my parents are going to be there and they're going to provide for me. And you all of a sudden had tremendous change in your situation. What was that like as a nine-year-old to go from not really a care in the world to losing your dad in this situation emotionally what, what was going on in, in your mind well it's a nightmare you know when you share the story to some extent you relive it yeah but the flip side of that is that you relive how god was a father to the fatherless and he accomplished that promise through people like the davises and others and how you are just really commissioned to keep that circle of compassion to keep it moving and growing. And I shared on your show, Cornerstone, about our daughter mm -hmm. uh, who uh, we adopted out of foster care. And then uh, she got married uh, recently. Her dream is to become a foster parent, an adoptive parent. And that's the beauty of compassion is that it, it keeps on multiplying. When we make room for others, God moves into this multitasking mode and he blesses everything and everybody involved. And that's why the Bible says, when you give yourself for the poor, he will bless all the works of your hands. Hmm. That's good. So you're at a point in your life where your relationship with the Lord is really brand new. I'm not sure whenever you accepted the Lord, but at a nine-year-old, you're still learning a lot about faith. You're still learning, you know, that's like Sunday school age. and <laughs> How did you learn how God was speaking to you? What, what Do you remember the first things that God said? You know, I in my life, I've never really approached it like, you know, how, how do you find your purpose? I think it's God's purposes are finding you. And what does he want to accomplish through you? And to get your eyes off yourself and to go as far as you can see and you'll see farther. So I'm a visionary, but at the same time, I've learned as I look back through the rearview mirror of my life, 
that as long as you can keep the simplicity and the disciplines, then you can uh, live a simple life, even though things are getting more and more complex. As a target for the enemy, you can get smaller as perhaps your ministry is getting bigger. Okay. But go as far as you can see, and you'll see farther. People would say to me, you've got enormous potential as a young person. Frankly, that became a poison. I felt like I wasn't living up to that potential, and the goalposts keep on getting moved, and then you are overcome by discontentment. So when I Mm. speak with young leaders... I share that. Stick with the disciplines, you know, your daily devotions, you know, health, you know, the exercise, eating right, church, Bible study, being with good Christian friends. There are no shortcuts. And strengthen, build upon those disciplines. Again, go as far as you can see and you'll see farther and God, I believe, as Bill Bright would say, God blesses those whom he can trust. Yeah. And I believe that God trusts people uh, that have the spiritual, emotional, and physical disciplines that daily they're working on. And he will bless accordingly to that. So how did you develop those disciplines in your life? Well, as a young person, I was asked to serve as a youth elder uh, by a youth pastor So at a young age, he started mentoring me Uh, at Evangel University. I was over the student ministries. I got hands-on experience Mm -hmm. in leadership. I worked at the men's warehouse in clothing. You know, George Zimmer, I guarantee it. (laughs) Remember that? Oh, yeah. And so I learned a lot there because I was complaining about having to sell suits after having paid all this money for an education. And I remember hearing a sermon, whatever you do, do wholeheartedly unto the Lord. And so I would sell suits for the Savior. And that was a great discipline that Mm. each and every day I would do this for the Lord, whatever you do. I went from near the bottom of the sales to the top in the entire company as a young person. That's miraculous on multiple fronts, but especially since I'm colorblind. Oh, wow. So there's thousands of people out there wearing men's warehouse clothes that don't match. (laughs) I thought it did. Yeah. Those are the things that build the disciplines. The other, as Henry Ford said, I cannot afford the tuition of learning from my own mistakes. Mm. And so the discipline of learning, learning, learning. And so I often say that what you wake up with and what you go to sleep with, that's who you are. So if I'm waking up uh, with those disciplines and I'm thinking how to draw closer to Jesus and how to draw others closer to Jesus, I go to sleep thinking, how did I do with growing closer to Jesus and bringing others closer to Jesus? That becomes a barometer And then everything else is a distant second to that. I love that Henry Ford quote that you just said. I can't afford to learn from my own mistakes. I messed up the quote a little bit. Yeah, I cannot afford the tuition of learning from my own mistakes. So become a student of others. And I've tried to do that. And I'm grateful that I have had a a ringside seat to many, many great leaders uh, in America and around the globe. 
What's a piece of advice that you could give from learning from other people's experience? Because I'm always trying to do that, but I'd like to do that better. So I want to learn from your wisdom in regards to that. <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to sound redundant, but leaders that I've had the pleasure of being around, whether it be like a Pat Robertson, enormous faith, mm. enormous faith, uh, the founder of CBN, I've been around five presidents, world leaders like Netanyahu of Israel, and they have en enormous disciplines and faith. I mean, we could spend the next couple hours talking about that. I'm actually, the book I'm writing right now is on that. Oh, wow. It's what we can learn from these leaders. But one of the disciplines that I've seen in these leaders and others and I wouldn't say that they all live balanced lives, but I've seen a divert daily, that time with the Lord, withdraw weekly, move out monthly, and then away annually. And so there are these, these times that are truly set apart to building their relationship and growing it with the Lord, with their spouse, their family. Mm-hmm. And then everything stems from that. But I've seen the antithesis of that, too. Yeah. That when those disciplines and priorities get out of whack, you think that you can make it up, that you can create shortcuts. And when you get away with it for a little while, that becomes your new bad discipline. And that can lead to everything from moral failure to... Uh, a ministry that, frankly, God doesn't trust. People mm. say, God, multiply me. Multiply my ministry. Multiply my business. And God wants to multiply all of that. He, I mean, the one of the most powerful charges in the Bible is make disciples. Mm -hmm. But reality is, if God is not multiplying you, then maybe he doesn't want to clone you the way you are. Wow. You have to ask yourself that. So back to God blesses <laughs> those whom he can trust. Wow. How can I practice the disciplines each and every day? And I'm not saying I do it each and every day, but I do know this, that what I'm talking about here is the key to supernatural, miraculous things happening in your life, in your family, your ministry, your business. Wow. There's some really good things that you just said. I'm going to have to make sure that I focus on that part as I'm putting this episode together and just kind of process all that wisdom there. And I'm looking forward to your book. You said you're working on about leadership. So you've studied a lot about leadership through various different ways, learning from other people's lives. When God finally called you to be a leader, tell me about the process of starting Convoy of Hope, what led into that? And for people that don't know what Convoy of Hope is, if you could kind of explain that. Yeah, Convoy of Hope does relief, disaster relief around the world. Uh, we do citywide outreaches. We have, a, I think, one of the largest disaster response you know, in the country, actually globally. Hmm. So a huge 300-square-foot warehouse in Missouri, a fleet of trucks. And so... Uh, 
very effective at connecting the resource to the need, engaging churches as volunteers. How big of a warehouse was that? 300,000 square feet. Wow. Pretty big. Yeah. Take like a Costco, huge Costco. Uh-huh. And, and in many cases, double it and then add the bays where all the trucks pull into it, 30 of them. So this is a major uh, wow. operation. And then we have warehouses in other countries. And some of the programs include agriculture, uh, women's empowerment in Ethiopia. And so it's now helped well over 100 million people around the globe. And then CityServe is different because CityServe is really grassroots empowering the local church to do that, to meet the needs of their neighbors through these regional warehouses, cultivating a relationship with their neighbors, bringing them to church, helping them with really addressing the holistic diversity and complexity of needs somebody might have, everything from addictions, maybe it's foster care, adoption, uh, marriage and family, and joblessness, and bringing these services so that we can help people move from dependency to sustainability. But it's all church-based. So in a community, you're not hearing about CityServe as much as you're hearing about that local church. Mm. So you're really just trying to come alongside those churches that are already there and empower them to do what God's called them to do in their local communities. But often the churches feel overwhelmed that they can't do that. So you're a great resource to help them reach their communities better. That's awesome. Well, the tragedy is this. I've met with so many pastors over the years who would agree with everything that you and I just said. However, they feel like the compassion outreach of their church is outsourcing it to a national or local nonprofit. And meanwhile, their people uh, are attending church every Sunday, like as a weekend production. Mm. And all those people, all of that potential, in most cases, is unutilized. It's untapped. And God wants to equip and mobilize that huge amount of spiritual, emotional, physical capital to bring healing to brokenness in our communities. It's like white blood cells. If you have an infection in your body, mm -hmm. those white blood cells, it's like uh, attack mode going after that infection. And that's something that Richard Stearns, the previous president of World Vision, would talk about. Well, that's the church. That needs to be the church. Mm -hmm. But to abdicate that to some national nonprofit that's in a different area code doesn't make sense. But that's what we're doing. So nonprofits, all of us, I think, need to take an about face and really get back to supporting the local church. We got churches on every neighborhood corner. Yeah. And even mega churches, uh, we're calling them to instead of extracting people from these neighborhoods, why not get underneath these neighborhood churches and lift them up? Mm. And we're seeing churches that as a result of using these resources, they're growing exponentially.
you know, spiritually and numerically. Wow. Can you give any examples about that, about a neighborhood that's been changed? Oh, yeah. There was so many. We had one pastor in a community where he was trying to get to know his neighbors. They wouldn't give him the time of day. He went to one of our warehouses and saw all of the dog food, started getting to know his neighbor's pets, and uh, consequently, in giving them dog food, and as a result, people started coming to his church. Uh, we've had families where their children were sleeping on the floor. Now they have beds. And one single mom said, every time I see my children in that bed furnished by city serve in my local church, that's a sermon to me mm. of a God who cares and a church that cares. She's now not only a part of that church, but she's part of that city serve pod wow. called Point of Distribution in helping other single parents. Wow. That's really cool. I like what you said about the, the pastor that knew you guys had a whole bunch of dog food. And I'm sure whenever dog food was donated, you know, whoever collected that was like, I have no clue what we're going to do with all this dog food. I love that if we're willing to listen to God and listen to his leadership, he will take the thing that is sitting on the shelf that we think there's no use for it. And he's going to turn that around and he's going to use that for his glory and open up doors that, as you said, the neighbors just had, they just could care less or they, I guess they couldn't care less than. Well, that's well said, John. God doesn't waste anything. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I mean, dog food stuck away in some dusty corner in a warehouse and, and now it's uh, resulting in people accepting Jesus, part of a great church. Uh, I was speaking at one church in the Central Valley of California, and uh, these ladies came up to me afterwards, and they said, we're part of the heater, the heater brigade. They were taking all these small heaters going into trailer parks uh, where the elderly were mm. living, giving them heaters. And they pointed to the back of the church, and they said, do you see those people back there? And I said, yes, they're here at this church because of those heaters. Wow. I know some would say, oh, this is just, you know, handouts. Uh, no, it's a hand up and it's a way to cultivate a relationship with people uh, by the church meeting their physical need. And I think somebody modeled that for us in the Bible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and here you have Jesus saying to the disciples, I got this multitude here that I'm going to preach to, but they're hungry. They go out and they find this lad who had loaves of bread and fish. And this boy, he had a choice. He could have had a good lunch, uh, but it would have been an ordinary lunch. Yeah. Instead, he gave what he had to the disciples. They give it to Jesus. He meets the physical need. And this boy has an extraordinary lunch. And I tell people, if you want to have an ordinary life, keep it. Mm. Keep it all. But if you want to experience an extraordinary God who's placed you on this planet to accomplish the extraordinary, give it away and watch him multiply it. And you'll see that if God can get it through you, he'll give it to you. He's looking for that kind of obedience, people that will trust and obey like the old song uh, that he can channel uh, resources through uh, but uh, in many cases, we're hoarding it. Yeah. 
Definitely we are. It's kind of like the Dead Sea is dead because there's no relief. There's no uh, way for the water to get out of it, so it just stays there. Another example of that is like a swamp. You know, the water needs to be able to get out, you know, get through that area. The funny thing, though, is uh, time is coming where we're not going to be able to use that analogy. That's true. Because the Old Testament talks about the Dead Sea coming to life, and it is. Yeah, you, you've been to Israel recently. Did you get a chance to see that? I, I've been to Israel 30 times Yeah, and take groups there, leaders every year. I didn't go this year. We have great leaders that hosted the trips, and I, I've got my hands full right now with other projects. But we feel like that's one of the best ways for us to sow into pastors, their families, is by hosting them in Israel. And we call it Neighborhoods to Nations. Mm. So I've already talked about the City Serve Neighborhood strategy, but the Nations is Israel. Uh, but we're currently helping uh, the refugees in Syria. Wow. You know, is the other. So we have a campaign called One Equals Two, which is that's on our website, cityserve.us. cityserve.us, where people give $18 a month. And half of it goes to support that neighborhood, uh, that that hub, that warehouse hub, Mm -hmm. to meet needs locally. And then the other half goes to help internationally the refugees that have lost everything. Wow. So there's so many different ways we could go right now. But um, I'm interested in when you felt like God first called you into this type of ministry full time. This was your purpose because when you helped start Convoy of Hope or started City Serve, there was a passion in your heart to do something. I don't know if you had in mind at the beginning how big this was going to be. How did God lead you in that process of taking that first step? That's a tough question. I people we think in terms of straight lines, yeah, uh, or up and down, and it's more life is more like tacking, sailing. You know, if you go sailing, you don't go a straight line. It's left, right, left, right. But yet you're going in a direction. And that's certainly been my life. But during what could be considered a detour, well, not detours, it was God preparing me. So I've had the opportunity uh, to work in government uh, here, you know, in Sacramento at the Capitol, uh, working directing Operation Blessing for CBN, learning uh, not only trucking, warehousing, relief, but also how to tether media to meeting needs, uh, the whole communication side, and then uh, working also as uh, a pastor of a great church in Bakersfield where I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how to grow a church by meeting the needs of the community there at Canyon Hills and Bakersfield. And then working uh, very closely during the Bush administration as an intermediary in helping faith-based organizations learn how to partner with government, how to garner resources. And then obviously through Convoy of Hope and now CityServe. And so there are those that don't understand God's call on my life, and they'd say, oh, you need to just stay with one thing. Hmm. But that's that's not me. That's not my life. <laughs> I'm a founder. Yeah. 
I'm a social spiritual entrepreneur. And so there are those that would say, oh, there he goes again. He left convoy. He left this. He left the guy can't make up his mind. Well, I just I just don't feel like I have to own it. Hmm. The, I'm not even close to the Apostle Paul, that's for sure. But they were saying the same thing about him when he would leave Corinth or wherever. And that was not his job. And so my role in this life is apostolic, evangelistic. It's not to stay in one place. And people with this calling are misunderstood. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. How old are you now, if you don't mind my asking? 59, approaching the big 6-0. Approaching the big 6-0, but you are nowhere near being done serving the Lord and reaching and advancing the kingdom. But Dave, if you could go back in time and visit yourself in the past at a younger age, at a situation in your life, and you could give yourself a piece of advice, what's going on in your life that you would want to intersect with that younger version of yourself? And what advice would you give? Walt Disney was asked after 25 years what he would do differently. And he smiled and laughed and said, uh, I don't want to do it over again. <laughs> so uh, there are things I certainly would would have done differently, but uh, I think the version I would say to myself, as I've already said, would be version 1.0, mm. trust and obey. I think there's a reason why the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror and to really focus on what's ahead. Don't ruminate on your past. Uh, celebrate, obviously, what God has done. Uh, utilize what you have learned, but always look forward. Uh, look ahead. Have a peripheral vision so you don't forget others around you. And it's interesting as you talk with people that are much older than me that the number one thing that they say is that they had a positive, enduring outlook on life. That would be the version I would say to myself. As a result, you say to yourself, there's no re you worry way too much. It's amazing how many things just work out. It's like, why did I worry about that? I think that that's one of the big things I would say to people. Uh, go as far as you can see. You'll see farther. It's okay. Give God all the glory. Wake up with him. Go to bed with him. <laughs> mm -hmm. And just... You know, make sure you you live with a windshield, not a rearview mirror. Amen. That's good. And that's nugget size. I think I could take that away and apply that to my life pretty good. <laughs> Another question I like to always ask people is, what's happened in your life that you didn't feel like Jesus might have been walking with you at the moment, but when you look back, that you can see that Jesus was there? Kind of like the whole Emmaus Road thing, which is the, the theme for this podcast that our hearts were burning with us along the way. We just didn't realize it until we looked back. There are many examples of that, especially when you're 59 years of age and you've tried to not only successfully build a family, a marriage and ministries and businesses. I would have to say that times where we have launched out with ministry and we've had very little funding. Mm. And so you're wondering, are we going to make it, you know, through this day? And then as God provides, it's like, are we going to make it through this month? Yeah. Are we going to make it through this year? 
And it's like you find yourself saying, wait a second, we have enough money for six months. Years ago, I was worried if we're going to make it through the day or the week. So I think you you look back with gratitude. Hmm. You look back with gratitude. Yeah. You know, I, I'm so grateful that whenever we do look back, that we can see that Jesus was there. And those moments where it felt like we were all alone, he was you know, just like that, that poem, The Footprints in the Sand, that he's the one yeah, that's, that, that's, that's carrying us. It, it's true. But I do think gratitude in all things give praise and thanksgiving that it's like the lepers, you know, Jesus heals them all, but only two return to say thanks. Those are not too good of odds. Mm. But I would say that that's probably about right, that percentage. And to say, I don't want to be part of that other 10. Yeah. And I want to be, I want to be the two. That's good. I want that too. I, I really do. I want to be grateful for what God has given, what God has given me and what he's done. And I want to express that. Yeah. And that's why I know one of your questions was, uh, what's a, kind of my life verse? Yeah. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understandings, but in all, underline that word all, in all your ways, you know, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And if there's any verse besides John three sixteen to memorize, that would be it. That's actually my life verse for uh, this year, or I guess not my life verse, but my year verse at least. God is challenging me to trust him and acknowledge him a lot more than I have been. So I appreciate that's, that. That's great. That reminder. Um, another thing I want to make sure that, that we talk about here uh, just briefly is you, you started a podcast, the Influencers Podcast, and I want to give you an opportunity to talk about what people can expect to hear whenever they listen to that. Well, thanks for asking. Yeah, Influencers Podcast from Neighborhoods to Nations. And so we interview influencers. And thus far, for example, we've had Doug Weed, who is one of the top presidential historians in the world, what he's learned from leaders, what he's learned from working in the White House and writing best-selling books. We interviewed Lynn Johnson, who's currently the Assistant Secretary for Health and Human Services. She's like a modern-day Esther in government and places of power. And then there's so many other influence, like Auntie Anne, you and I talked about her. What a great uh, leader, inspirer. Yeah. She is the founder of Auntie Anne Pretzels, and, but yet the tragedies that she's been through. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So it, it's just it, it's filled with uh, these influencers, what we can learn from them. And uh, we're just so happy to do it uh, with the Charisma Podcast Network. I've been longtime friends with Steve Strang, mm. who's over Strang Communications and right. Charisma, huge fan of his. And obviously, Steve Green, his sidekick, who I know has mentored you as well. Absolutely, yeah. And so it's an honor. Uh, we launched it uh, several weeks ago, and it's doing well. But we need uh, more listeners.
more downloads. I will definitely make sure that I provide a link in this episode's <laughs> show notes so that you can check out Dave's podcast, the Influencers Podcast, from neighborhoods to nations. Because, you know, Dave, you are a real inspiration for what you've done. By just being obedient to the call of God and who God's made you to be, those gifts, that apostolic gifting and the, the gift of serving and helping others to be able to serve is remarkable. Thank you. I often feel overwhelmed whenever I see a need that's great. Yeah. And I appreciate that God has people like you in the kingdom that look at it as a challenge and say, how can we organize God's people to take care of this? I just appreciate the fact that God has allowed our paths to cross and we've been able to meet and just to hear some of the stories that you shared since your time on real life, just knowing that your life was impacted by somebody just taking you in, you and your and your family, and when you're a great moment of need. And that has really kind of set up the tone of your life. And you haven't stopped doing that. And I pray that you you never stop doing that. You never stop being an example for other people to be able to live a life set apart for the Lord and being his hands and feet. Well, thank you, John. And yeah. uh, our friendship, relationship, this is a beginning of the beginning. Absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate that. Before we go, Dave, I would just ask you to just pray for the listeners, wherever they might be. Something that, that you said that I want to ask you to kind of focus on with this is this whole thing about what's in your hands and yeah. meeting that, that physical need with what you have. Uh, and just uh, just kind of that whole the dog food story just kind of was resonating. And uh, if you can kind of sure. pray for people to feel like they just don't know what to do. Lord, thank you, first of all, that you have given us life and life more abundantly. And not only for our life, uh, but for our families, but also you are desiring to invest so much in us and through us. Uh, to change our world, uh, to move people closer to you each and every day so that they can find hope and help and then receive eternal life uh, through the forgiveness that only comes uh, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we do pray for a spirit of availability uh, to sweep across this nation and this world where people will find a need and fill it. And in doing so, they find their purpose, and then that grows into so many things and other opportunities. And before they know it, uh, they can't help but give you the glory, uh, because this can only happen through your miraculous move of your spirit. And help us, God, to be not only available, but move forward with faith and compassion, empathy, and to give you 100% and to wake up, go to bed, trusting and obeying for your glory. Amen. 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 Dave, thank you so much for allowing me to join you along your way. Oh, my pleasure. As I said earlier, when Dave and I recorded this interview, the coronavirus was a threat that seemed so far away. As we go through this difficult time where the virus is infecting so many people around the world, and the death toll rises every day. The economy is on life support and people are losing their jobs. We need to represent Jesus to those who don't have their hope in him. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, 
but on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus, even when we have to be six feet away from each other for a time. One of the big things that I gleaned from our conversation was that you can't outsource compassion. Compassion is our job. Don't look to the government or social services to be the answer. Look to Jesus and his church to extend compassion in creative ways to a lost and hurting world. Dave referred to his mother as a wounded healer. Even though she was handicapped the rest of her life because of the accident, she didn't let her situation define her. Let her example inspire us to be the healers despite our own circumstances. I love how Dave talked about compassion and how the Davis family took them in and chose to suffer with them. That is true compassion. Whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly for the Lord. As Dave said, go as far as you can see and you'll see further. God will lead us to the edge of what we can see, but he will always show us just a little further, even if it's just our next step. In these hard times, Let's look for opportunities to be grateful for what we do have. Even when tomorrow is uncertain, we can stand on the fact that Jesus is our hope for today. If you'd like to get a copy of Dave's book and hear his podcast, I'll be providing links in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please share this episode with a friend who you think will be encouraged by this podcast. Also, please rate and review Along the Way on iTunes. That helps more people discover along the way. And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at my website, alongtheway.media. I hope that you've enjoyed this part of my journey. And may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way.